today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Romans 6 and verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, most people, when you hear the word baptized, you immediately think of water baptism. But I want you to look at this verse very carefully Because it plainly says that we were baptized into Jesus Christ. Baptized into Jesus Christ. The word baptism, it can be used in a literal sense, or it can be used in a figurative sense. If you will, go to Mark chapter 1. In verse 8, John the Baptist is speaking here. He said, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That was John the Baptist. I indeed have baptized you with water. That is a literal, physical baptism. And you can visualize that and, and see that. Uh, take place in your mind. But he said, but he, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes on the scene, shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost. That is a spiritual uh, baptism that takes place. So the word baptism can be taken either in a literal or figurative sense, depending on how it is used in the sentence and whatever the case. Now, in Romans 6 and verse 3, The Greek word for baptism is baptisma. Baptisma. It refers to something being placed into a new environment or into union with something else in order to change its condition. Back years ago, my dad had an 86 Chevrolet pickup truck. And we'd go around to different places, and we'd get the cans and glass and different things from these places, and they, they'd put them in these big 55-gallon drums. And it would rain in them things sometimes. They wouldn't put the lid on, and, and, and a 55-gallon barrel full of, of, of cans and glass and water, that's pretty heavy. And uh, so my dad made a winch that would go on the back of the truck, And he could set that thing down in a pipe about yay big. And he could swing that thing around there and hook onto that barrel and just 
winch that thing right on up on the truck, and it keep us from having the strain and, and whatever made life easy. Well, we got hold of something one day, and it bent that winch over just like that right there. My dad said, huh, well, it looks like I'm going to have to do something different on that. Well, he took the winch, heated it up, straightened it back out, and he added another piece of metal to it in the union with that piece to reinforce it and make it stronger. Now, when the winch was put on the truck, and we grabbed hold of that, that barrel and got ready to winch it up on the truck, that winch did not react the same way that it did before because this time it's been reinforced with another piece of steel. It has come into union with another piece. And when my daddy welded it on there, buddy, you won't getting it off. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They won't know pulling it apart. That is an example of our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we tried to do things on our own, we got bent all over and got bent all out of shape. But when we got into union with the Lord Jesus Christ, he, in, he reinforced us. And we are in union with him in such a fashion. And now when we come up against that resistance in our lives that we used to have before, we don't act the same way. We don't react the same way because that it, reinforcement of Christ is there to strengthen us and to help us. There is a union there. And if you'll picture that in your mind, when Paul said we are baptized into Jesus Christ, that's that union. If you will picture those two pieces of steel being welded together in such a fashion and it ain't coming apart. Glory to God. You are in union. You are welded to Christ. And it can't nothing take you apart. No matter how no matter how hard the devil tries to grind and pick and 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 it ain't it ain't coming off. <laughs> You're in union with Christ. The moment of salvation, God placed us in union with Christ. We were changed at that moment from a sinner to a saint. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, "Therefore if any man be in Christ, be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. All right, let's take a look at Romans 6 and verse 3 once again. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? That's the cross. The cross of Christ is what has made this union with Christ possible. See, the wages of sin is death. And as you know, Jesus died on Calvary's cross for our sins. Now, when we come into union with Christ, we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his death, what does that mean? That means in the mind of God, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, you and I died with him. All that we were prior to salvation died on that cross with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go a little further with it. Verse 4, Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in 
to death. That means that every sin you ever committed was buried in that tomb with Christ, never to be remembered against you anymore. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was proof that he lived a perfect life. Perfection is what God required. Perfection. Perfection right on down to the birth of the human being. That's what God requires. He requires a perfect birth. Well, guess what? That disqualifies every single human being that's born because we're all born in sin. That's why the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ was so important. Because had Jesus been born as a result of natural procreation, Jesus would have had a sin nature. Understand. See, Jesus did not have any traits of Mary or Joseph. God spoke Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit into the womb of Mary. Had nothing to do with Mary's egg, had nothing to do with the sperm of Joseph. It was already, God just spoke it into her womb, and all Mary did was carry Christ in her womb for a period of nine months and, and, and was used as a house to bring him forth into the world. Because of that of which God did, spoke that into her womb. Mary had nothing to do with it. Joseph had nothing. Man had absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. It was all of God. And because of that, Jesus did not have a sin nature. And he was able to live a perfect life pleasing unto God. And perfection is what God required. Now, if we're baptized into his death, we're baptized in Christ. We're baptized into his death. When Jesus was buried in that tomb, we were buried in that tomb with him. All of our sins are buried in that tomb with him. When Christ was raised from the dead, that was proof that he lived a perfect life. Guess what? His perfect life now becomes our perfect life. His righteousness now becomes our righteousness. And it's all done by simple faith in what Jesus did for us at Calvary's cross. Now, we're in union with Christ by faith. We died with him, we were buried with him, we were resurrected with him to walk in a newness of life. The word walk refers to how we order our behavior. Before salvation... We couldn't live right. But now after we're saved, the Holy Spirit has come into our hearts and lives. We're in union now uh, with the divine nature, the Holy Spirit. We now have the power to live as we ought to live. 
And, and just think about that for just a moment. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that moved upon this world in the book of Genesis, when the world was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters and everything changed. That same power in creation is the same power that is living within our hearts and lives today. It's hard to wrap our minds around that. And just as we once walked in the oldness of death, we're now to walk in this newness of life. Uh, Philippians 2 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul said, It is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Did you notice that after you got saved, you had a desire to do things that you didn't before? You now have a desire to read the Word of God. You now have a desire to go to church. Those things that you once loved doing, uh, you don't like doing those things anymore. Why? Because it is God that is working in you now, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. But now here's the thing. We have to cooperate with the Spirit. We all have that potential, the power to be Christ-like. But there are few who allow the Holy Spirit that latitude. So, if you see a fellow brother or sister acting in an unchristlike manner, it's not the Lord's fault. It's not the Spirit's fault. It's the individual's fault for not allowing the Holy Spirit the latitude to work within their lives. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, if you will, flip over there and take a look at that. Galatians chapter 5. Move down to verse 15. Galatians 5. Pick it up with verse 15. But if ye bite... And devour one another. Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's your cooperation with the Spirit. As the Spirit moves in your life, you're to cooperate with the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit of God. When He says, don't do that, don't do it. Don't look at that. Don't listen to that. Don't act like that. Act like this. The Holy Spirit will, will clean you up and change your behavior into that which is Christ-like. And it's something that we've all got to learn. It's very important. All right, go back, if you will, to Romans 6 and verse 5. Romans 6, verse 5. For if we have been planted together, there you have that union again. That union with Christ, a union so tight, uh, it's like that piece of metal 
that my daddy welded onto that, that winch. Go to John chapter 6. Let me show you how tight this union is. John chapter 6. Jesus explained it this way. John chapter 6. Move down to verse 53. John six fifty three. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Notice that. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead, he that eateth this bread shall live forever. Now, the Lord wasn't talking about cannibalism. He's talking about in a spiritual sense. You have to accept Christ. It's just like you sitting down at the table and, and eating something. And, and that food gets digested. It becomes a part of you. Understand. You have to partake of Christ. Now, how many of you, if you went to a fast food restaurant, got your food, got home, opened up the bag, and four or five cockroaches run out of it, how many of you would be willing to eat that hamburger or whatever it was. I mean, let me see a show of hands. None of you going to have the faith to eat it? Why? If you ain't got faith in it, you ain't going to eat it. Right? And that's the same way. You have to place your faith in Christ and partake of His finished work. And... You have to do it on a daily basis. All right, go back to Romans 6, verse 5. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, and again, the moment we place our faith in Christ and what he did for us at the cross, in the mind of God, when Jesus died on the cross, we died as well, and we were planted or buried with him he went on to say, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, most read this particular verse, the latter part of this verse, and they immediately go to the rapture, the resurrection. Now, that is most definitely going to happen one day, and we're going to enjoy that great benefit but that's not what Paul is talking about here in this verse. He's talking about resurrection life. He's talking about living a victorious, overcoming Christian life, which is empowered by the Spirit. And like I said, 
the, the potential is there for every Christian to live a godly life. But we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, look at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The term old man refers to what we were before we came to Christ, when we were dominated by the sin nature. All of that was crucified with him. And guess what? It is still being crucified with him. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Look at that. I die daily. It's a daily thing. Go to Galatians chapter 2. And verse 20, Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live, that's the resurrection life. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Verse 23. Luke 9, 23, and he said unto them all, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We were crucified with him and we are still being crucified with him. This flesh has to be crucified. Romans 6, verse 6 again. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. The human body is that which relates to this world. It is also that in which sinful acts are carried out. Now, it's not our physical body that is destroyed or rendered ineffective, but it's the dominating sin nature which has been rendered ineffective. And as we stated before, the sin nature is not removed, it's cut off like I gave the example the other week in the plant I used to work at we had a, 
a tank that overflowed. The float valve got stuck over the holiday weekend, and that water just flowed all over there, and there won't nobody there to cut it off. And, I mean, it just flooded the whole plant. We had two inches of water all over the place to, to clean up. And uh, the first thing we did was, where is all this water coming from? Well, we finally found it, and the first thing we did was cut the water off. And, see, that's what has to happen within the heart and life of the human being. That sin nature has to be cut off. See, that's why AA and all of these drug programs and psychology won't work. You're trying to mop up the floor, and you got a tank overflowing back here that ain't been cut off. You're trying to clean up a floor. You ain't dealt with the problem yet. You're, just, you're killing yourself. But God has addressed man's problem. The problem is the sin nature, and when you accepted Christ as your Savior, he cut it off. Cut it off at the source. And it has been rendered ineffective, but it's still there. And as someone asked a few weeks ago, why didn't God just remove the sin nature? Well, I... There's a physical part to the sin nature. It's just in our blood. If God removed it, we'd be dead. But there is coming a day when the Lord will remove it, and that's when the rapture takes place, when corruption puts on incorruption and mortality puts on immortality. Uh, Romans 6, verse 6, latter part, that henceforth we should not serve sin we're no longer slaves to this sin nature the moment you get saved you are to become a slave a bond slave of the lord jesus christ verse 7 for he that is dead is freed from sin now the death referred to here is not a physical death it refers to our identification and union with Christ in his death. Our faith in his death has freed us from the power of the sin nature, and we've been cut loose from that sin nature. Now, we have the issue of maintaining this freedom. And all that God has done... For us, as it pertains to salvation, he does not violate our free will of choice. He does not make us into a robot. We still have a free will of choice. And if a person wants to reestablish relations with the sin nature, they can do so. But it's like being married the two wives or two husbands. Your life's going to be hell on earth. I know because I've been there. Not that I've been married to two wives, but I know what it's like to be saved and then turn right around and try to reestablish relationship with the sin nature. Your life is miserable. Miserable. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is pulling and tugging, and he is really telling you now, don't do that. I mean, he's screaming. 
at you. And you're, you're running from God and you're trying to go in this direction and the Holy Spirit is trying to pull you this way. You can try to leave God, but he won't leave you. And thank God. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And, and we have a responsibility to maintain our freedom from the sin nature. And it's all by choosing on a daily basis that I am going to be free from the sin nature. Understand how you're free from the sin nature. It's all through and by what Jesus did at Calvary. And, and understand that for years, your relationship with the sin nature made a mess of things. Just like that tank overflowing in that plant. It made a mess of things. And it took a while to clean up all of that mess. And as long as that water stayed cut off, we could clean up the mess. Amen. As long as the sin nature is cut off in your life and it stays cut off by you keeping your faith anchored in Christ and His finished work, the Holy Spirit's going to clean you up. It may take some time, and you may see a young brother or sister in the Lord failing from time to time in whatever the case, but understand as long as their faith is in Christ and His finished work, the Holy Spirit is working uh, within their heart and life, and eventually they're going to be up to where you're at. But you need to be careful with that too because that spiritual pride and he that thinks he standeth better take heed lest he fall. Hello? So there ain't none of us in this room arrived. Okay, even the Apostle Paul that wrote half the New Testament said, I count not myself as to have apprehended. So Paul hasn't arrived either. And guess what? None of us have either. Okay? There, there, there is no graduating class as it pertains to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only ones who have graduated are no longer here. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.